Hello and welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Dr Virginia Reid and today I'm delighted to have on the program Christy Chambers who has had a rather significant career already in nursing and has therefore written a book, Get Well Soon, my unbrilliant, brilliant career as a nurse. So it sounds like she might still be a little bit ambivalent. Is this true, Christy? Um, I don't know if I'd say I was ambivalent. Um, I think I've just resigned to my fate. Okay, so what made you decide to become a nurse? Um, it was mainly because um, I was sick of doing jobs that, that weren't um, meaningful to me, um, you know, working in retail and hospitality and things like that, that um, sort of centred more around, you know, the bottom line and money and customer service. And I thought, I, I just didn't find it fulfilling and I thought I'd like to do something where I felt like I was making a difference. Mm. And I was sort of tossing up between teaching and nursing um, in my mid-twenties and my dad's a teacher so um, I kind of thought uh, maybe nursing would be a better fit for me and it was all the things that they told you um, in high school you know it's a great job you can travel and you know you'll never be unemployed and all of that sort of um, thing was what came into play when I was in my mid-twenties and I wasn't sort of I, I guess idealistic um, or <laughs> um, or I, I was more of a realist I suppose by my mid-twenties after doing a lot of um, jobs I, I didn't really like. Right okay and then so you had that impression and I guess that part of things has lived up to expectation. Yeah I do I do think it's um, I think there's maybe areas of nursing that suit me better than others but certainly, um, I feel like I, I'm good at my job and, and that, it's, um, that it suits me. Um, but I, I think it took a while for me to find the kind of nursing that, that suits me better um, than, say, ward nursing. Okay, so in a big hospital sort of setting. Yeah. But that's where you began, wasn't it? Yep, that's right. So, so yep. tell, us, tell us about your very early days in nursing. Well, I kind of, when I first um, uh, began um, after university, I finished my degree and I didn't really know where I'd wanted to work at that stage. Um, I'd done pracs in a stroke ward, um, a maxillofacial unit, an eating disorders clinic, um, quite a few different places and none of them really seemed um, like my thing. Uh, so I sort of on a whim just picked bone marrow transplant because I thought it sounded interesting but I hadn't done a practice so I didn't really know what I was in for mm -hmm. and perhaps that was a good thing because it was a, it was a very hard job um, you know to sort of start out in but I think um, it's probably starting you know at the top as well so as hard and confronting as it was I, it, I don't think it could really get much harder than doing that job unless I was working in intensive care. For people that perhaps don't know the world of a bone marrow transplant unit that well, and heaven forbid, can you describe that world? I mean, you've described it beautifully in the book, and I think that's one of the things for me that the book does brilliantly. It actually draws people into the world of what it must be like to be someone working, particularly night duty and things, in those situations. Yeah, it's um, bone marrow transplants, it's... Um it's, it's a very specialised area of nursing. Uh, so basically you've got people who are coming in um, with a, a newly diagnosed leukaemia or, you know, a blood cancer basically, and um, they're coming in for a treatment. So it, before you can sort of progress to, to maybe having a bone marrow transplant, you have to go through all of this chemotherapy and other treatment um, first, and that's quite a long process in itself. And then the bone marrow transplant is basically like giving you a brand new immune system. And so it's a very um, a risky area. There's a high mortality rate. 
uh, people are very can become very unwell. And I guess the thing is, um, in the book, I've I've, I've written um, a lot about um, the patients that didn't get better because they're the ones that you see the most of in hospital. And I guess they they sort of resonate more strongly with me um, personally because you're sort of there from the beginning of their journey to the end. There are a lot of success stories too. Mm. So that world, um, in the book you describe a lot of sort of very critical situations, that tends to happen with those people because they have a fairly fragile... Uh, That's right. They're very unwell. Yeah, yeah basically. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and for a nurse, that's it must be kind of nerve-wracking to do, what, an eight-hour shift? Uh, yeah, I used to do 12-hour shifts, a lot of night duty um, for a while because um, actually I was getting exhausted doing the day shifts. They were so frantic and, and busy and there was so much happening that I thought uh, night duty was perhaps the lesser of two evils in terms of... Um, of workload, um, but that was um, probably not not a, a really great idea because you then take all of the uh, distress and the you know fatigue from from uh, staying up all night, and you add that to the mix of a of a very high stress um, work environment. So um, I don't know if I'd do it again if I if I had my time over. Um, yeah, doing three three twelve hour night duties in a row, um, sometimes up to five. Mm. And what in terms of the your lifestyle during those weeks? Um, well, basically, uh, I always felt like I'd just um, been through the mill whenever I'd finished a stint of work. Um, you know, it's very... Um, so you'd go on at, what, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night? or Yeah, se- 7 o'clock at night and finish at 7 in the morning or 7.30 by the time we'd done handover to the morning staff. So, um, yeah, so that's a, that's a long shift. Um, you know, some nights um, you'd have, you know, a, quite a few lulls where you were sort of sitting around, drugs to go through or what have you, and other nights you just didn't stop. Um, you sort of hit the ground running and kept going all night. So um, it was a very, I guess, a sort of a dynamic work environment. It changed very quickly because people were um, were so unwell and, and could potentially become, you know, um, gravely ill um, very quickly. Absolutely. And a lot of their symptoms weren't very nice either. The people who are going through chemotherapy, you know, you have all of the, the kind of things that you'd expect, like vomiting and diarrhea and, you know, losing your hair and um, and all of those things that are, you know, unpleasant and um, quite confronting for patients um, to sort of, you know, deal with. Um, and it's, you know, it's all new to them. And so you're kind of trying to, to ease them into it as well as, um, you know, coping with the, the family and helping them to understand, you know, what's happening. Um, and then if you go further down the track, um, you know, you've got the bone marrow transplant patients and, and some of those um, patients developed graft-versus-host disease, which is basically where your body um, sort of attacks itself. Um, it attacks the, the new cells or the new immune system and, um, and there's some really horrible um, things that can happen, just, you know, like um, bleeding and, um, you know, really horrible sort of continuous um, diarrhoea and things like that that are just, you know... And, and people are in, incredibly unwell, and um, and that's really hard to see. Yeah. And in the book, you kind of you don't make fun of them at all, but you bring out the humour of that situation. Did were the patients also in that mode, or were they often not quite lucid, etc.? Um, well, they'd have their moments. Um, I think you know uh, everyone because uh, patients 
you know, say who are undergoing a bone marrow transplant, they're having drugs and antibiotics and things put through every, you know, hour or two two hours and sometimes more frequently than that. So um, their sleep is really broken up and, um, and you know, it's they don't get a lot of rest basically when they're in hospital. They're in bed all day but there's not a lot of um, sort of continuous rest. There's always someone coming in to do something to you or take blood or give you blood or what have you. So... I think um, there's a slight, uh, I could certainly identify with it as a, a night duty nurse, that there was a, a kind of delirium that set in when you were sleep deprived. And and honestly, some of, you know, you kind of, you have to laugh or you'd cry. Um, yes. And I think the patients were in the same boat, you know, you can you could either sort of laugh about it um, because it was, you know, usually so awful. But if you didn't have this kind of um, wall between you and, and what was happening to the person, um, you would just, you know, you would just quit your job, you know. You'd never come back because it's really, it's really awful to see people who are suffering and, and you know, who aren't necessarily going to be leaving or getting better. Mm, mm. But perhaps they, they, they use the humour as well as a coping mechanism, and I think you do that brilliantly in the job. Yeah, it's, it's that's exactly what it is. It's a survival mechanism. You get through those situations. I think a, a good sense of humour is really important. And I have to say that I think most of the nurses I've worked with, um, or certainly the ones that I've become friends with, um, we all have a pretty, maybe, you know, to the outside it might seem like a sick sense of humour, but yes. um, I think we're in a, a pretty um, a pretty bizarre environment in strange situations. So I think our sense of humour has kind of, um, kind of developed um, because of that in some ways. Yes, I think too it shows the broad depth and experience of humanity, your book, and how those situations actually reduce people to their, their essential human selves. Yeah, yep, absolutely. There's, there's nowhere to hide in those, um, in those situations, you know, for, for the nurses or the patients, you know. Yes. You just, you just got to get through it, yeah. Yes, and that, is that an appealing thing for you with nursing in some way? Mm, I, think, I think I just... I just really like people and obviously yes. some people more than others, you know, like yes, everyone of in course. life. You're listening to Wellbeing and my guest today is Christy Chambers, author of Get Well Soon, a brilliant expose of life as a nurse in various roles. So Christy, after the bone marrow transplant unit, you made a fairly strong decision, didn't you, that that wasn't for you? Yeah, I, I went overseas for a few months and sort of the thought of, of going back, um, I just thought, no, I, I just can't. I felt like I'd, I'd spent my time there and um, I wanted to do something something different. So um, I came back um, to Australia and decided to try my hand at drug and alcohol nursing. And we'd had um, uh, like a, a family history of some substance abuse, um, you know, people using substances and so I had some sort of, I think, first-hand um, maybe experience in, in that world and I thought um, that I would like to try. So when you decided that that's what you would do, you started to train in that area or they just sort of throw you in and expect you to cope? Um, I got trained, yep, thrown in at, at the deep end. I think that's that what tends to happen a bit with nursing, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, I felt like that when I went to, to bone marrow transplant um, but mm. as a new graduate, um, it was sort of, you know, you knew that you were jumping in at the deep end. That's that's what happens. Uh, you just get sort of, you know, you're a nurse, so you're sort of expected to know what to do in all areas of nursing. But in actual fact, nursing is a very specialised um, 
uh, field these days and there's so many different jobs and, you know, I could walk into one ward and have absolutely no idea what I'm doing in that particular place. Um, and, you know, so I think uh, you learn a lot on the job. That's basically what happens. Mm. So the experienced nurses are invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And it's, it's hard to, um, to, to keep them sometimes, you know, because there's um, such a lot of stress and, and especially as, um, you know, the experienced nurses kind of leave and, and um, new staff members come um, who don't know, you know, necessarily very much about a certain area, puts a lot more pressure on the people that do know and, and that can be quite, um, quite difficult as well. Mm, and I bet you hate as a as a junior having to ask all the time because you can see how yeah, busy they are, right? Yes, that's right. You feel like a you feel like a, an imposition, and basically that you know you're there to supposedly do a job, but you feel like you're um you're just uh, more of a burden than than a help at that point. Can you remember any particularly funny instances around you know being taught things or um, not knowing? I don't know. I think. Um, I think generally um, when you're doing things like, you know, putting in a catheter for the first time, it's sort of, you know, um, you can kind of see the, the older nurses sort of grimacing at your technique or, you know, at um, the way you're trying to, to do something that they could just do, you know, um, like that. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that, you know, you're very slow when you're a student nurse. And, and I know that when I've looked after student nurses um, in my own job um, that, you sort of you sort of watch them do something that's second nature to you and you know and either sort of mess it up or what have you and you've just got to remember that you know you were the same when you started and um and you've got to be patient and again sometimes you just got to laugh because I've yes. seen some injections given at um sort of some scary distances right i can imagine if you're working in drug and alcohol that that might be the case yes yes it's um yep a different world Yes, a totally different world. Are there some particularly funny anecdotes that you would like to discuss with the listeners that you know you think are a good example of nursing and what it can be like? Yeah, I think I mean I have I have a lot of funny stories, I think, and even if they're not particularly funny um at the time in retrospect they seem funny. So um, for instance, um, I was on one night duty shift um, and we worked in team nursing and bone marrow transplant so you weren't sort of on your own. Um, you had another another nurse to work with but there was one lady in particular who was um, just incontinent all the time and, you know, she was end stage, like she was, you know, probably, I think she died a few days after um, this particular um, uh, episode and... Um, but my friend and I, um, the other nurse, were, were looking after her and she um, she um, sort of suddenly yelled out in the middle of the night, um, danger, danger, stand back. And we were like, oh, my God, and quickly jumped out of the way and said, what's wrong? And she was incontinent um, in the bed and she just started laughing and said, I'm so sorry, <laughs> I'm very, very sorry. And, and we all just sort of cracked up laughing because it was about the fifth time we'd had to clean her up and... Um, and the next day, um, my boyfriend said to me, um, oh, there's chocolate on your shoe. And I looked at my shoe and I was like, oh, I threw it in the bin. So <laughs> there's, um, your, yeah, I guess there's not many jobs where you, um, you come home with, you know, with other people's body waste, um, on your clothes. No, absolutely not. I think that's so true of how up close and personal it actually gets. Yep, that's it. Exactly. It's uh, there's yeah nowhere to hide. You know, it's sort of you know it's you and you and the patient, um, and that's it. Yeah. Mm. Humanity at its best and worst. 
Yeah, I think so. It's yeah, it's a very extreme extreme occupation. You know, there's extreme highs and extreme lows. Um, and I think you know, um, and all of this sort of in a in a very busy um, work environment for the most part. So um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure um, to get get everything done with a minimal amount of staff. Um, you know, for cost um, cutting budgets and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of pressure. I think um, external pressure as well as the the pressure that you find you know just dealing with people who are um, who are unwell and struggling with uh, being in hospital. You're listening to Wellbeing, and my guest today is Christy Chambers, author of Get Well Soon. Uh, Christy, you were talking about the external pressures, not just the actual patient care. So what are some of the external pressures that are brought to bear? Um, I think it's, it's mainly to do with staffing and, and to do with the um, nurse-to-patient ratio. So... Um, you know, you've got a you've got a lot of patients who you want to sort of do the best you can for them, and sometimes um, you know it's just not possible to to give them the sort of you know, I guess the um, the experience of care that you'd like to, um, them to have. Uh, so, you know, when you've got people who are upset and stuff like that, you know, and you you want to sort of spend time talking to them. Um, you're really there's time constraints. Maybe you know eight other patients that you that you also have to look after and and attend to. And you know you've, so it's it's really um there's a lot of I think a lot of pressure to get things done quickly and done with a, a bare amount of of staff. And I've experienced that in in pretty much everywhere um, that I've worked. That the staffing in an ideal world, you know, for people to have a really um, maybe a positive experience in hospital, you, you need to have more nurses and, and less of a, um, a workload, you know, so that you can really um, help people. And I find that in drug and alcohol as well, you know, um, people really need to, to sort of talk through how they're feeling and stuff. And a lot of the time you kind of feel like you're just, um, you know, paying lip service to people when, when you know that, um, you know, if you had more time, you could probably have a really kind of meaningful interaction, but it's just not always possible. And how does that affect you as a person? I think it makes you feel, um, you know, that, that you're um, not doing the best that you, that you could. So I think it's, it's kind of disappointing, you know, that, um, that you know that um, potentially, you know, you could you could spend time with someone, say someone who's very um, irritable or, um, you know, um, ambivalent about being in in um, detox, for instance. And you know, if you can just spend that sort of time with people, I've seen it. Um, you know, you, you kind of it's at the maybe the detriment of of the other patients that you're looking after, but you can have these really. I think they're kind of a pivotal exchange for some people in hospital, and and that's when you really feel like you're you're doing a, a good job um, as a nurse. So you feel like you're you're making a difference, and those yeah, because of time constraints and um, staffing mainly, uh, it's it's hard to to find those those moments. I, I find them quite quite hard to come by. Yeah, and that for you would be a bit of a heart sink because that's why you went into it in the first place. Some days you might have just one moment where you think, okay, well, it was worth coming to work for that, and the rest of the time you kind of feel like you're chasing your own tail. So, um, yes, it, it can be just really frustrating, and, and I think, um, you know, and nurses are under a, a lot of pressure, and so not everyone is going to be, you know, sweetness and light or, uh, you know, um, maybe as uh, kind or you know um, friendly as, as people might might hope that nurses would be. Um, I just think it's you know it's it's kind of um, it's unrealistic, I suppose, with the um, 
the way that the, the hospital environment is um, these days. And it probably always has been like that, but that's been my experience anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And with some of the patients that you've had in drug and alcohol, are there any particularly funny sort of stories or moments that stick out for you? Yeah, for me, it's um, it's always the um, the delirium tremens patients, so the patients who develop um, an acute um, alcohol withdrawal syndrome, and they they've usually been very heavy drinkers who've stopped drinking abruptly, and they develop almost like a dementia or a psychosis. Um, so it comes on three to four days from the last drink, and they just um, become uh, you know uh, they're not oriented, they don't know where they are. They tell you to get out of their house, um, you know, they talk to you and say, um, you know, Serena, come over here and, you know, help me work on this uh, this jigsaw puzzle or what's this wood doing over here? And, and you know, it's, it's not funny per se, but sometimes the interactions um, that you're having with people who are really confused um, can, like, they can just be really funny. So um, I think the, the delirium tremens patients, I think it's incredibly sad um, because they basically... You know, they've drunk themselves to a state where they just, you know, they're completely disconnected from reality. But they have these lucid moments where you kind of think, oh, they're getting better. And then they sort of disappear again into this, um, you know, often quite abusive state where, you know, they're usually very unhappy with what you're doing and, you know, verbally. So does the humour actually help you to cope and to hang in there through those times? Is that... Absolutely. Yeah, right. it's the it's the funny things, you know, the incidentally funny things, I should say, because they're not really that funny. But yeah. In other words, it's a way of not taking it personally. <laughs> that's right, exactly. And in that um, in that environment, um, you know, it's that's all you've got, you know, um, going to hand over and having a laugh about um, something that happened, you know, that that is funny in the context um, of, of nursing, but, you know, of course, it's really sad in the context of someone's life and and their illness. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of incidental or accidental humour in nursing, I think. And and it's because, you know, yeah, you're seeing people at their worst. Um, and <laughs> some people are just really strange. And <laughs> they're strange in hospital as well. Yes. But you sort of get more of an intimate look at that and perhaps where the, the causes of it and, and the effects of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think too that, you know, um, I mean, I've had, um, there's one patient in particular, I recall, who had a, um, an acquired brain injury. And he was a, he was a lovely fellow. Um, he, he, um, liked to come and have a chat to me, uh, you know, in between, um, chores or what have you, or doing obs and rounds and stuff. And, um, and he asked me if I would, you know, maybe be interested in, in, um, being a nurse at his house. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm looking for a nurse. I'm looking for someone to look after me in my home. And I said, all right. And he goes, and, you know, and maybe this could progress to a relationship. I'm kind of looking for a girlfriend as well. I said, well, you know, it's very nice of you to to offer, but um, doming is very appropriate. Um, You know, I work here, so... Um, I don't think I'll take you up on the offer, but thanks thanks anyway. And um, and he just gave me this sort of, you know, withering look and just said, oh, well, you're not hot enough for me anyway, <laughs> and walked off. Yeah. And, you know, just classic, just things that you, you couldn't make it up, the things that happen yes. in a hospital, you know? Yeah. Yes. And I get a lot of a lot of sort of, I guess, um, joy out of the, the, the lighter moments um, in nursing, um, and they kind of, you know, make up for the for the horrible moments where people are, you know, threatening to to meet you after work and, you know, um, beat you up or, you know, what have you. Because you have that, you know, it is just a, it's a real, you know, it's a job of extremes, yeah. 
So that is a, a significant factor, isn't it, now in nursing that you um, people, yeah, basically it's scapegoating, really. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're there when when people are, um, you know, uh, very upset for whatever reason, whether they're they're angry and and I especially find that um, if you work in in detox um, or a methadone clinic and you you say no, I try not to actually say the word no because they're not hearing it um, and they don't don't respond very well to people putting you know limits on on their behaviour or on their um, you know um, drug use or what have you. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I find that at those moments, I've certainly had more conflict in the, the drug and alcohol world than I had in um, bone marrow transplant, but I, there were still moments there where, you know, um, where family members would, um, you know, give you a piece of their mind or what have you if they felt that the patient wasn't, you know, being cared for, um, you know, the way that they would like them to be or, or um, you know, not understanding why you had to give them another injection and things mm. like that. Mm, But often it's just that they're really deeply sad and upset and it's a way of dealing with those emotions, isn't it? That's right. Trying to to have some sort of control in a situation where they don't have any control. So, um, like, I I completely understand it, you know. It's um, just a, you know, it's just a human reaction. Um, People, you know, their their loved ones are, are in hospital being poked and prodded and, and you know it's really unpleasant. It's hard for I think especially for parents to see their children that situation, and yeah, just protective. And yeah, it's understandable. It's just you know sometimes not very nice to side of uh, of the yeah the coin. I think you're absolutely very brave to do drug and alcohol. <laughs> Everyone says says that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I like it. Um, I don't know. I think because I get to spend more time talking to people and and sort of interacting with them. Um, it's not so much a matter of, of going through the, the motions of, you know, doing OZ and now I'll give you this drug and that drug. And, you know, I feel like I get to, to spend more time talking to patients. You personally are making a difference, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I find that quite satisfying. Um, I like and understand yeah. why. I think it's very skillful the way that you look at life and they'd appreciate that and not judge or condemn yeah. and that enables you to be that much more effective. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, it can happen to anyone. The people that, you know, are in detox, you know, with there's lawyers and doctors and nurses and people from, from all walks of life. And, and I think that's when you realise, um, you know, it is a disease and people, you know, mm. can't, can't control it or else they, they would have, you know, never reached that point. Yes, of course. Oh, they're all wonderful insights for someone who sounds fairly young. Uh, everyone, someone said to me the other day that I sounded like I was 12. Um, I'm actually 37, so... Um, I, I still, still think that's very insightful. You've lived a lot of life. Yeah, I think I think. Which I is what happens when you nurse, that's yes? That's right, exactly. No, it's definitely an education in things that sometimes you wish you'd never been educated in. <laughs> others, <laughs> others are, I think, are a bit of a gift. Absolutely, an absolute privilege. Thank you so much for shedding light on the wonderful world of nursing. It's very much appreciated. And anybody who would like to hear more of Christy's anecdotes, she's, the book Get Well Soon is available now in bookshops? Yeah, it's available now. Yeah, it came out on, on Monday the 27th of August. It's everywhere apparently. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks very much. I've been speaking with Christy Chambers, author of Get Well Soon. I'm Dr Virginia Reid and from all of us here at Wellbeing, we wish you well.